0: Good evening everybody and welcome back to the Haunted Collection with your host, writer, paranormal investigator, and haunted collector Kevin Kane, back for more chilling terror and scares galore. Thank you so much for tuning back in to The Haunted Collection. And I'm excited to come back with another episode of some sto- a story or stories, if we have enough time, about my favorite subject. One of my favorite subjects, because I have many. But this is one of my all-time. The werewolf. The werewolf. But first... I want to invite you as always to visit my website, myhaunteddolls.com. There you'll find all of my books that I've written in the store. You can get your autographed copy today. So be sure to check that out, including my newest book, Dark Awakening and Other Tales for a Midnight Hour, which is a collection of my original horror and supernatural short stories, I think you'll love those, so be sure to look for that. These books are also available on ebook. They're on Amazon and there are even some out there on Books A Million, Barnes and Noble. So be sure to check those out. Also, don't forget to visit my YouTube channel, My Haunted Dolls. You can find the link on my website or just search My Haunted Dolls on YouTube. In fact, the website is youtube.com forward slash C, like cat, forward slash my haunted dolls. And that link will take you there where you can watch the videos of my EVP and spirit box sessions with the haunted items in my collection as well as other wonderful videos out there. And every Tuesday night I do a live show with Abnormal Alabama where we talk about the weird and unusual Not only in our state of Alabama, but around the world. So check that out. Those shows are archived, so you can see those out there on the channel. But you can tune in live and join us on the chat. And now on to our show. We don't need a full moon to bring you some scary, chilling werewolf stories. And the first story I'm going to share with you is an oldie, but a goodie. A really classic werewolf story. I might butcher the name of this place, but I'm going to give it a shot. Don't hold it against me, especially if you're from France. <laughs> so here we go with this chilling werewolf classic story, The Beast of Legevadoan. For three years, beginning in the year 1764, the region of France known as Le, Gevada, Le Gevadoin, was terrorized by a monster wolf. Of all of history's werewolf accounts, this tale of what is commonly called the Beast of Le Gevadoin is the best documented, the most puzzling and in its own way, the most frightening. Lake of Ottawa is a rugged, mountainous region. The land is too rocky for farming, and most of the people survive by tending flocks of sheep and herds of cattle. During the summer months, the animals grazed in high and often isolated mountain pastures children were traditionally sent to watch over the sheep and cattle. In the mid-1764 July, a young girl from the village of Saint Etienne de Lugodares, who had been tending a flock of sheep, fell to return home as expected. Later, her body was found in one of the valleys, her heart had been torn out. This was the first recorded killing in the reign of the beast, but it was by no means the last. In the following days, the killings of several other children who had been watching over the flocks in isolated areas were reported. As word of the killing spread there was a panic among the peasants of the region. Frightened parents kept their children at home for a while, but time passed on and there were no more killings reported. The livestock could not go unattended forever. The old ways of sending the children out to guard the livestock reasserted themselves. Then, late in August, a peasant woman from the village of Langona told her neighbors that she had seen a fantastic creature. It walked on two legs like a man, but it was covered with short reddish hair and had a pig like snout. It was as big as a donkey and had rather short ears and a long tail. The woman said the creature had been able to frighten off her dogs, but had been frightened itself by her cattle, which lowered their heads and attacked it with their horns. The witness was not considered particularly trustworthy, and the description itself was so bizarre that even the most superstitious peasants just laughed at it at first. The laughing stopped a few days later, however, when the monster was reported again. This time the witness was Jean-Pierre Porcher, a man known for his truthfulness and for his courage. Jean-Pierre got close enough to the monster to actually take a shot at it with his musket. He was a good marksman, but this time the shot either missed or or the creature was unaffected by the bullet, for it ran away swiftly. And then the murders of children began again. Some of those who had been allowed to return to the flocks in isolated pastures fell victim to a creature that not only killed, but mutilated its victims. It was then that the rumors began to circulate that the region was affected by a loup-garou, or the werewolf, for that is what it is called in France. News of the murders eventually reached the court of King Louis XV at Versailles. The king took the matter very seriously, for as we have seen, Stories of werewolves were numerous in France. The king dispatched a company of soldiers to deal with the beast. The soldiers arrived in February 1765 and almost immediately encountered the creature, or what they believed to be the creature. They opened fire on it, but it ran off into the underbrush and could not be located. After the encounter, the killings appeared to stop. The soldiers assumed that they mortally wounded the beast and that it had crawled off to some hidden place and died. They returned to the palace at Versailles to report that their mission had been successfully accomplished. The report was premature. As the weather warmed up, the children once again returned to the mountain valleys to tend to the sheep and cattle. And there were no more killings. That is until for a little while, and then the killings started back. Another urgent appeal was sent to the king of Versailles but the king was slow to respond. It wasn't until early in 1766 that another military expedition was sent to the area. This time the soldiers were able to shoot a large wolf, which they confidently declared to be the beast of Leg of Odawin. They marched back to Versailles in triumph. The king heard their report and once again declared the emergency to be over. But once again, he was wrong. This thing, whatever it was, continued to stalk Le Several villages were actually abandoned out of fear of the monster. Finally, in June 1767, nearly three years after the killings began, a local nobleman organized a huge party of hunters. He swore that they would not rest until the monster really and finally had been killed. On June 19, what the hunters believed to be the beast was surrounded in a patch of woods... at Le Sonne d'Avort. One of the hunters, a man named Jean Chastel... had his gun loaded with silver bullets. You see, there is a well-known tradition... that only a silver bullet can kill a werewolf. When he caught sight of the beast... Chastel was able to fire two shots at it. The second struck the monster in the heart, and it fell dead. The carcass was then carried from village to village as proof that the terrible beast of Legevadoan was finally, really, and truly dead. Unfortunately, the accounts of exactly what this thing looked like are not as clear as one would wish. Most descriptions make it sound like a very large but strange looking wolf, with close cropped ears and unusual hoof like feet. In the warm June weather, the carcass soon began to rot and had to be buried. While no one seems to know where the monster was buried, tourists are still shown the spot where Jean Chastel is supposed to have felled it with a silver bullet. Chastel's gun can be seen in the church at Saint Martin de Bouchard. So, what was the beast of Legivaudan? Clearly, it was more than just a legend. The records that indicate that something deadly and dangerous was stalking the area in the 1760s are too numerous and too reliable to be ignored. Some people believe that the beast was just a large and exceptionally ferocious wolf, or perhaps several wolves who, whose killings were attributed to a single creature by the terrified peasants. The peasants may also have exaggerated the number and nature of the killings, attributing unrelated deaths to the beast. One theory holds that there was an outbreak of rabies among the wolves of Leg of Otwan and that the disease caused them to behave in such a vicious and uncharacteristic manner. Normally, wolves avoid humans, human beings at all costs. The only time a wolf might be tempted to attack a human would be during times of famine in the winter, when it was starving and no other prey was available. But the attacks of the beast took place in the warm months when prey for the wolf would have been abundant. Rabies, on the other hand, tends to flourish in the warmer weather. Others think the beast was really a man, a homicidal madman who never was caught, but just happened to die at about the same time Chastel shot a large wolf. And then, there are those who believe that the beast of Ligavadwan was just exactly what the peasants thought that it was, the lupgaru, the werewolf. In any case, this is among the most interesting and best documented of all of the world's werewolf accounts this story is true. I love a good, true werewolf story, and there are many out there, but this one was, as they say, the best documented, even right down to being able to visit the location of the killing of the beast and seeing the actual shotgun on display. So if you're ever in France in that area, be sure to check that out. But beware, for there might still be another loup prowling the area. So now let's share another popular werewolf story. This story comes forward a few hundred years and takes place in England. It's quite an unusual story because it's not just about a werewolf itself. No, it's something even more supernatural. This is the story of The Werewolf's ghost. In the early years of this century, an Englishwoman named Miss St. Dennis had a very curious and frightening tale to relate. She was staying at a farm in the rugged area of Wales called Merlontheshire. The farm was a considerable distance from the nearest village, but it was within easy walking distance of a tiny railway station. There were few trains through the area. The station had only one employee and was often completely unattended. The station platform commanded a very good view of the surrounding countryside. Miss St. Dennis was an amateur artist, and she regularly went down to the station with her sketchbook. On one occasion she became deeply absorbed in her work and stayed on later than she had intended until the sun was beginning to set. As she prepared to leave, she saw what she took to be the figure of a man sitting on one of the carts that was used to move freight to and from the train. The sight surprised her. Except on the rare occasions when a train stopped, she had never seen anybody at the station except the station master. And by this late in the day, the station was invariably deserted. The unexpected appearance of a strange figure suddenly made her feel uneasy. For the first time, Miss St. Dennis realized just how deserted and gloomy the place really was. The station master lived in a little house several hundred yards away. Aside from that dwelling, the closest house was at the farm where she was staying, and that was several miles away. Suddenly, the cliffs looked shadowy and forbidding in the fading light. Here and there were the gaping and glooming entrances to abandoned slate quarries. Piles of rock fragments were heaped around the entrances, and the only vegetation were dwarfed and gnarled trees. It was not a beautiful scene, but it was one which had fascinated Miss St. Denis. Until now. The strange figure and the gathering darkness frightened her. She couldn't make the figure out clearly in the dim light, but she was uncomfortably aware of one thing. It seemed to have unpleasantly bright eyes, and it was staring at her. Miss St. Dennis tried to act casually. She gathered her campstool and drawing things, and then she coughed loudly to see if it would have any effect on the silent figure. Unfortunately, it did not. She coughed again, and again there was no response. Then she said, Could you tell me what time it is, please? But there was still no reply. The figure just sat there staring at her with its unnaturally bright eyes. She picked up her things and walked off the station platform, trying to look as if nothing at all was wrong, though she felt that something was terribly wrong. She glanced quickly over her shoulder and saw what she expected and feared. The figure was following her. She tried even harder to appear unworried and casual. She even began to whistle what she hoped sounded like a cheery tune. But she also started walking faster. The figure was still following with long, easy strides, and it was getting closer. Very soon, she knew that she would reach the worst part of the road home. There were cliffs on either side, and by this time it would be pitch black. Indeed, the spot positively invited murder, and she might shriek herself hoarse without the remotest chance of making herself heard. Miss St. Dennis realized that she could no longer just ignore this odd figure that was obviously stalking her. She gathered up all her courage, swung around, and shouted, What do you want? How dare you? She got no further. The figure was quite close now, and it was illuminated by the last rays of the dying sun. Miss St. Dennis got her first good look at what was following her and she discovered to her absolute horror that it was not a man. It was not even human at all. The body was grayish, and generally human in form, but the head was very clearly that of a wolf. It tensed up its muscles as if it were about to spring. Almost instinctively, Miss St. Dennis reached into the pocket of her jacket where she carried a small flashlight. She switched it on and shone the light in the creature's face. It was as if she had waved a magic wand. The creature shrank back and threw its paw-like hands over its face as if to shield its eyes from the light, then it simply disappeared. Later, she made discreet inquiries, but she was able to learn nothing except that in one of the quarries near the station, some curious bones, part animal, part human, had once been found. She was also told that local people always shunned the area after dusk, though no one was sure why or when the tradition had started. After hearing this, Miss St. Dennis believed. She believed that she had seen the ghost of an actual werewolf. You go, a couple of great classic werewolf tales, and I'm sure I'll share more wolfy, scary folk tales in future episodes. But I wanted to dedicate tonight to those stories because werewolves have always fascinated me. And so comes the end of another episode of The Haunted Collection. But don't fear, because I will return. So until then, be sure to check out myhaunteddolls.com. Please shop and buy one of my books autographed today. Be sure to check out my YouTube channel, My Haunted Dolls. And stay tuned to this show because I'll be back in a few weeks with more great creepy stories. Until then, happy hauntings. <laughs>